Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hey guys, this is a really, really special episode. This is episode 100. I cannot believe we've made it to 100. And I haven't missed an episode until last week, of which I will tell you in a moment why. But before I do, and by the way, this is my dog is not leaving me alone. (laughs) So we've got a really special guest, the person who started this with us right back a year and a half ago victoria Beatty is back vic thank you for coming along again hello pleasure to be here thanks for having me you are one of my most downloaded episodes you and georgia really that's amazing yeah i actually had a lot of people after your episode contact me and you made a lot of people cry (laughs) Oh. oh i remember that i can't believe it was before COVID. Yeah. Like COVID, well, there was whispers of it, but not to the extent that we've now experienced it. And my little baby girl was only six months and now she's two. Like That is insane. What changes in 18 months? Yeah. Amazing. Mm. You had a six month old, now a two year old. Uh So, um, so just like, oh, just for everyone that's watching for the first time on YouTube, we have never been on YouTube before. So this is a bit of a yay, let's do something different since it's our 100th episode. Uh, you're lucky today that it's visual because Vic and I did our hair and our makeup. <laughs> but after this, it'll just be audio because <laughs> I haven't got time to do my hair and makeup twice a week. Uh, well, no, I do, but you know, it's it's pressure. Uh, so Vic, do you want to just, for those that perhaps haven't met you before, don't know who you are, maybe haven't listened to our first GND episode, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Victoria. I just turned 35. Hello. Um, a few weeks ago. So um, I live on Bundjalung country, which is also known as the northern rivers of New South Wales, with my family. So I married a very good man. His name is Jesse. He's a Kiwi and I adore him and we've been married almost 10 years. And we have two beautiful children, uh, Theodore and Patience. And they are delights. So yeah, I'm a mama and a wife. Um, I'm also uh, the founder and owner of a business called The Beach People. And I've been doing that almost 10 years as well. Can you believe it? Uh, with my sister. Mm. So we started the business nine summers ago. And um, I also am an ordained pastor at Tweed Coast Church here in the Northern Rivers. We're about to actually change our name of the church to Garden. Um, so that's exciting too. So that's coming up in September. Um, yeah, so that's sort of who I am. Um, yeah. You are a jack of all trades because you're a business owner and a pastor. Yeah, a bit of a mix. I've always, um, that's sort of what's been modelled to me. So my parents always had businesses but also were pastors of a church and I kind of always knew I would, although it was a bit, it felt almost a bit, uncomfortable if I sat in either field on its own. I feel the most comfort when I'm sitting in both. So, yeah. I remember you when you were at Youth Alive with the um, yeah. well, just that year and a half ago, and I remember you saying that if you were a teenager sitting at one of those events, 
you would have been sitting there going through the budget to put something on like that. <laughs> I still do it at restaurants and cinemas and things. I sit there and figure out if they're breaking even or not. <laughs> I complete opposite. I'm like, if there's a number involved, get me away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, she, I'm like, oh, she didn't ask if we wanted drinks when we sat down. There goes 40 bucks off our table. Like, you know, I just can't help it. I just can't. Yeah, everywhere I look, I think how people can make more money. Oh, wow. But yeah. you've, got a, you've got a good principle behind that though too, right? Like you are very much a kingdom builder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, our business, my sister and I started it nine years ago. Really, it was more of a lifestyle decision than necessarily like God speaking, you know, like a lightning bolt from heaven. I always knew I wanted to run business, but before I worked for myself, my sister and I have always been, yeah, incredibly involved in giving to our local church. So I guess in that sense, the pattern was there before the business started or before it even made money um, of that, yeah, being a kingdom builder. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that about yeah. you. I love following your journey. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. Um, so a little bit of a life update. So some people will probably be wondering, normally, um, so I'm, I am a bit sad because normally my little podcast partner is with me, which is my big girl, my dog, Callie. And, of course, Vic knows um, what happened, but she died suddenly a week ago. I can only just talk about it without, like... <laughs> crying um so yeah it was unexpected she was only two and a half and she had like a massive seizure and I was saying to Vic beforehand that um not last episode but the one before she actually had barged her in again as she does and was breathing into the microphone and I was laughing my head off and then today when I went to record I was like oh no puppy with me I'm really sad um but we're both dog lovers and it's funny because when uh, when I said that my puppy had died, I think people were more compassionate because they know that I loved her so much. But if you're not a dog owner, people look at you like, what is wrong with you? It's just a dog. Hmm. I feel you. I, they leave a void. They become part of your home and every little thing you do is sort of with them. And then when they're not there, I just can't comprehend it. Um, I'm so sorry for you. I know, I'm so sad. But, um, I actually, my friend had told me about this book that she was reading. Did I tell you about this before? No. It's no. a book Stay. I forget the author's name. And um, he's a Christian guy and he talks about, he had this beautiful Labrador called Hannah. And um, she ended up passing away from cancer, I think it was. But she, he talks about all the lessons he learned from her. And so I started reading it two days later and I was sitting in the hairdresser <laughs> like, weeping um, because I thought it's so true. And this is what made me probably feel a little bit better about being so attached to my dog. But he was talking about, um, I'm just trying to get the scripture up, but in Job, when Job was going through a hard time and his friends didn't understand him, he actually said, um, just ask the animals and they will teach you. And so mm -hmm. there's a how animals can teach us about God and his purposes. And I was like, see, justification. I, that, that is so true. My dog taught me so much. And I thought that was pretty cool. Because you love your dog very much. Oh, I'm obsessed with my dog. He's just, I just love him so much. It's crazy. Every time I get home, he jumps all over me. And everywhere I go in the house, he kind of is. And I'm quite a um, go, 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 go person. And he just is sleeping 
all over the house the whole day and there's something about him just sleeping everywhere that calms me. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when I'm working and then he's just sleeping at my feet, it just is a nice presence. But apparently um, apparently, when we look our dogs in the eyes, endorphins get released in our brain and in the dog's brain. So you both get happy. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> it's proven. They make you happy. Yeah. My dog was so big. She was 30 kilos, right? She was a grudel. She was huge. And so... She would always, often during the day, she would stand up on her back legs and she'd put one paw here and one paw here. And so she was at my height and she would just look into my eyes. And I swear she was like, I just love you, mama. I just, and I would just tell her all the time, I love you, boo-boo. Anyway, <laughs> I would always look into her eyes and tell, and she would always, and that was her cuddle. And then she'd come up to me and be like, do you want to cuddle? And if she did, or and I was sitting, she would just calm and rest her head. And it's like, they yeah. are beautiful creatures. Yeah, I could never not have a dog. Like, yeah, 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 I'm the same. I can't not. So my house is so empty and horrible. I kind of avoided home for the first few days, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, let's move on to something happier. <laughs> um, so the thing that I love about you, Vic, I mean, you probably may be known more for your business. Beach People is very well known, and it's a global business. But what I love about you most is your heart for God and your heart for the house of God and your heart for the word of God. And so basically I've gone open to you today to, to just say, come and share about what's burning on your heart um, at the moment. And so um, I'll, I'll leave it over to you unless you need me to have, give you a leading question. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, um, it was such a nice way to chat and we were talking about what we could talk about today and just going what's on your heart and I've always got some sort of God um, thought that I'm dwelling on in my own life and sometimes I have the opportunity to preach that word but sometimes it's just for me and um, and I have a youth group that I run in our local church and often I get to um, you know express that those thoughts to my teenagers but this is just something that's been like a I guess a life um, thought of my life like I've always dwelled on these thoughts and they've always been in my mind from as long as I can remember um, pondering the wonders of God you know as a young girl but I remember my dad um, I would go to bed at night and he would sit in the hallway and read through the Bible he just read it out loud and for half an hour every night and I'd fall asleep to that and my dad said it was the way he could put us to bed, but also read the Word of God every day. And so he would just read it out loud my entire life. And so I feel like I've had this um, it, almost an addiction to the Word of God. Like I can't get enough of it. And so when I left school, I started studying um, through Alpha Crucis and, um, and started studying the Word of God. And every semester I just did a subject and I've just never stopped. So I just keep learning. I just want to learn more about the Word of God. And I guess um, in the last, yeah, a few years, I mix it up every year. And this year, my husband and I are just reading the Bible in a year. And so every morning, we just read a few chapters in our own space. But we have an app where you can message one another and talk about it. And um, I was saying to Jesse even just this morning, I was like, it's like fire. It's just something about it. The Word of God in your life every day just evokes fire in your belly. And it keeps you on, on the right path. And I just want to shout from the rooftops that the word of God is good and necessary. And I think um, 
we as a people need to come back even more um, to placing ourselves under the word of God as much as we can. And I mean, I know I'm a preacher and, um, you know, a pastor, but even just as a business person, as a mother, as a wife, I probably rely on the word of God more in those lanes than I do necessarily the stage or the preach. It's actually the normality of my everyday. Like yesterday I was doing a school run, food shopping, washing, and had my little two-year-old and I needed the word of God like with me that day um, in the normality of my day and doing my emails and things like that. But, yeah, I was thinking through some thoughts about what you and I are talking about in terms of um, the authority of the word of God. And I feel like for me, if I know it's the leadership podcast so I can talk straight down the barrel, um, but I believe that if we can learn the pattern of approaching the word of God with humility, with respect, um, with open heart, open mind, and coming to the word of God, respecting its authority and coming to it to learn God's opinion. But I think so often we come to the word of God with our opinion, looking for backup, as opposed to coming to it going, God, what's your heart, thoughts, opinion on this current topic, on my day, on my week, on the decisions I'm making, on my emotions? Like, so looking to the word of God to draw the truth out of it as opposed to coming to the word of God to shove our truth into it. Like, and um, I just see... Yeah, I just see so many young people swayed by the wind and worldly opinions of what's trending as opposed to knowing their truth based on God's word. You know, um, I think a lot of modern, like we think that it's open to interpretation or it's open to what we believe. Like, yeah, you are open to have your own opinions, but don't call them biblical. Like, you have that opinion, but it ain't biblical. Like, have you learned how to read? and draw the truth out of God's word because that's everything in our faith, you know? Yeah. yeah. You are so right. I think what's happening is, and, and I know I've talked about this before, you hear a lot in the deconstruction space. Even the book club that I'm doing at the moment, I'm purposely reading a book by Brenda Davies, uh, God is Grey podcast lady, very popular. Her book on her knees, and she's doing exactly what you've said. She's bringing her opinion and her lived experience mm. and forcing that into the Word of God. And it's so, it's all around sexuality, her, her book. Um, and that is happening more and more. So, I yeah. something that you said to me yesterday was that you, um, no matter what topic comes up, you're like, I already know what I think about it because I know what the Bible says about it. Yeah. Yeah. And learning how to read the Bible. So I did subject on subject on subject of how to read and interpret the Bible. And often in ministry, there's been numerous times where I've had to sit down with a couple or a, a single person and, and talk about big topics. And the very first thing I ask is, like, can you just talk me through your experience with the Word of God? Mm. Have you learned how to read it? Have you learned how to study it um, beyond the Sunday morning? Have you been taught the ancient literature and how to draw out the meaning. Um, because if you haven't, there's just no point chatting. <laughs> but the other question to ask is, do you see the word of God as the word of God? Yes. You know, because if you don't have that truth in your life, you'll be swayed by the wind. I actually um, have some key scriptures like that I um like even just this morning, I was reading in Romans 1, the life of Paul, and he was saying, um, 
to, I guess, the Romans. He was saying to them um, that pretty much God had said, do what you want. God had just gone, fine, have your own gods, do what you want, all power to you. And in Romans 1.25, it says they traded the true God for a fake God and they worshipped the God they made instead of the God who made them. And they're worshipping the created instead of the creator. And it ended in shambles in society. And I just believe that we need that mindset that we are the created. I think our generation, I was raised, you know, the most beautiful home, but I was told like every day that I was special. And yes, I am, but I'm the created. So there's a sense of like, I'm not God. I'm not the center. I'm actually made and I will feel most comfortable under the authority of God as the creator and knowing that nothing I can create, nothing I can think up, nothing I can, you know, make is going to satisfy like worshipping God does. But it has a a faith element and a trust element because so much of what we are facing is people just want to hold on to what's, they want to appear to be agreeing and holding on to what's um, being communicated in, you know, in the modern media and different things like that as opposed to holding on to the word of God. But, um, yeah, anyway, I've got, like, a million scriptures here about it. <laughs> well, have you, got some, have you got some tips on how you read through the Bible then? Because you were talking before about learning yeah. the Bible and, and bring the right context out of the, out of the scriptures. Yeah. How, do you, how have you learnt to do that? Well, it's always been under the, the leadership of others because I'm not, I haven't got a doctorate, I'm not a, you know, and not, not an academic. So I have a lady in my church who is, um, she was the dean of a college and speaks Hebrew and is incredible. And so I don't preach without her checking it. So she checks it all. Um, yeah. And then she brings, um, she's incredible. So she brings like a wealth of knowledge to each thing I preach. Um, so there's her, but I also use a commentary, but making sure that commentary is, in a, a like alliance with, um, I guess, the ACC, which is the denomination I'm a part of. So even knowing our core statement of beliefs as a movement, knowing what we believe, I've chosen to believe that, and I've aligned myself with someone who's further along the academic journey than me, and she's in my world. And so I often go to her things. But when I'm reading the Bible in the morning on a weekday, like for some context, I'm about to drop my son at school. I'm off to work. I've got a household of animals and children climbing all over me. I'm not in study mode. I'm just in Jesus, give me freshness for today. And so I'm reading a psalm. I'm reading a bit of Old Testament, a bit of New, and it's more like background. It's not deep. But when I'm in study mode, then I'm using, I use an app called Logos. I don't know if you know it. Yeah. Yeah, So it just gives you, um, it gives you a few things. So it gives you, um, you can have, all the scriptures in all the different um, translations right there, which I love. Then it has um, the commentaries and then you can even go into the person and the culture. So say I'm reading, I don't know, this morning I was reading in um, the story of Josiah. And so I can actually then click on him, read about him, where the society was, the surrounding cultures. Um, and then, yeah, so whenever I go to start a new book, I always just read, language it was written in, surrounding cultures and the main characters and their lives and see where it sits in the big picture um, to let it sort of dwell on me. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know that that was an app. I knew that it was a hardware that you could put on your computer, which mm. I had years ago and then got a new computer, but I'm going to get that app. Oops. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's called Logos. And um, but once again, I actually make sure the commentaries I'm touching, I have they're approved by my person I mentioned. Yeah. So I don't commentaries unless like so there was a new one I got downloaded it was an automatic download and I was like hmm who are you you know I just want to know the people I'm letting speak into my life are ones who you know even things like are living a life in a local church are um are in agreement with the movement I am you know things like that because you can google and find um support for anything you believe but doesn't mean that person is living a fruitful godly life I don't know like I want to know who's speaking to me so when someone says, oh, but I read about it, I'm like, where, who? Like, you know, because I probably don't agree unless I know who and where you read that thing. You know, a current affair, awesome. Have this conversation over. Like, <laughs> it's like, like the fake news that Youth Alive was on. We had our event last week. You were there. I was and there. Yeah, and uh, yeah. 27 News did a bit of fake news on us. And <laughs> I got but yeah, so I have, like, yeah, a bit of a process to how I read God's word and um, using those two. And then I also study as well. So um, just chipping away at a bachelor in theology, but just a subject this semester. But I haven't actually done one this, since COVID. I got a bit hammered with work, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to people who um, they struggle to believe? You know, you said before that it takes faith um, to, to believe that the word of God is the word of God. But I feel like that right there is what's been questioned a lot now that people are starting to apart and say the word of God is not there and it's got mistakes and they're pulling it apart and, and pulling apart really the foundations of our truth. I'm like you, I just believe it. Yeah. But, you know, what would you say to a young person who's listening to all of this stuff and mm. going, how do I know that that's the truth? Well, it says it of itself. So, like, I was just reading um, in preparation for today a little bit more about what the Bible says of itself. And it's an ancient text, and it hasn't changed. Like, it just hasn't. You can look back at some of the points where there were, you know, I remember reading once that a word got messed up and, like, the seriousness, they, they went and destroyed every copy of that one and there were statements released. This is, like, in the 400 AD. So, like... You actually, if you look at the history, it hasn't changed. The word of God is the same. And when you accept Jesus into your heart, you accept this. Yeah. Like, um, but I was reading of itself. So in Joshua 1, it's talking, Joshua's actually talking about the law, so the Old Testament. But he says, make sure you carry out the revelation, which is the word that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And he says, and don't for a minute let this book be out of your mind. Ponder on it, meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. And then he says again later on, 23 chapters later, like after all the battles, all the things he went through, now stay strong and steady, obediently do everything written in the book of the law of Moses. And he says don't miss the details. Don't get mixed up with the nations that are around you. Wow. <laughs> Hello. Um, don't so much as speak of their gods or swear by them or get involved. By all means, don't worship or pray to them. Hold tight to your God just as you've done up until now. And then I was reading um, Jesus actually himself mentioned this. And Jesus actually said, don't for a minute come to think that I have demolished the scripture. So he hasn't come to just go, oh, now it's all love, guys. Yeah. Lord finished. The cross is done. Now grace covers everything. Like, and it does. But that he goes, I haven't come to demolish it, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish it, but to complete it. 
I'm going to put it all together. He said, God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky. And he was quoting Isaiah when he said that. In Isaiah 48, he said, the true... True, the grass withers and the wildflowers fade, but our God's word stands firm forever. Like in Luke 16, the sky will disintegrate, the earth dissolve before a single letter of God's law wears out. So you can, like I said before, that understanding, you can come to the word of God going, I'm going to read it, but also have an open mind that it might not be true. But you've got to read what it says of itself. Like, it's just a messed up concept to come to it thinking it's not because it says of itself that it is. So you either take it all or don't. Like, I'm just like, it says that it's never going to wither or fade. So it's like, do you believe it's like another book that could be misinterpreted or do you believe it's the Word of God? Yeah. Because if it's the Word of God, it's protected. Like, it's safeguarded and it's going to endure beyond our culture and into others. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love I just that. got preachy. Okay, what was that? I just got all preachy. Oh, I love it. I love that. I need to hear you preach an actual sermon. I reckon you'd be amazing. I should get you back to do like a topic or a book of the Bible or something. I reckon people would love that. Yeah, I wonder. Sometimes I think, oh, gosh, is this boring? Because <laughs> what I find interesting, so like the books I'm reading at the moment, like at the moment I'm reading um, Sea People, it's like the movement of the Polynesian cultures and how they, like, I just... I just love, I know, my husband's Māori, so I find it interesting because it sort of tells you about his ancestors and his history. But it's so, yeah, when I get talking about it, even amongst my girlfriends, there's just like crickets and then I realise no one else is interested, <laughs> just me. Anyway. Um, someone said to me the other day, I think it was Kerry Newhoff had written this book. Um, I've never read it. I think it's called I Never Saw It Coming or something like that. And he was saying the difference between someone who's older, I'm talking older, older people now, you know, you get older people who are real grumpy and you're like, oh gosh, I don't want to be around them. And then other people that are just amazing, older people. And he said the main difference is curiosity. And I was like, oh my God, that is so true. My mother-in-law, she's such a curious person. She will research anything. She probably would know what you're talking about and be able to have a good conversation. But that's what I see in you with the word of God. You've got a curiosity that you just keep learning and learning and learning and learning. But then it goes beyond knowledge and becomes like part of my, my being, my cells, and I feel invigorated. So like I was saying to Jesse, so we went through quite a hard time at the beginning of this year, long story, but we had our fifth, miscarriage and after everything we've been through I know I should have probably told you before we were live but after everything we've been through I just thought not again and anyway it felt so dark immediately so like immediately just felt in darkness and so we just stuck to the plan and every morning I get up read the word of God and I feel restored so that was about four months ago but it wasn't because of one sermon or one podcast or because of one moment in church or because of, um, you know, my beautiful community of friends have dropped meals every day or anything like that. It wasn't any one of those things. It was all those things, but it was the consistent daily time in God's word. And I'm reading, just reading through your Old Testament. Like none of it was like, dear Victoria, I hope your heart feels better. Love Jesus. But it was just, there is something supernatural about the word of God. When you read it, it heals you. It aligns you, it directs um, and guides and leads and just, yeah, I just, I, I can't live without it. Yeah. 
I um, do you read the Bible? This is a weird question. I didn't plan at all. Do, do you read a hard copy of the Bible? Or do well, you... so this is a big deal for me. It's my first year ever reading the app, and I don't love it. I actually prefer a hard copy. So I have two. I've got the NIV study, and then I have a. I'm reading through the Passion Translation. So I I always have an NIV study going. And I've got the women's Bible, like the women's one. It's just kind of pretty. But, um, yeah, but then this is my first year ever reading it on the app, which is good, but my phone things every five minutes. So I'm constantly swiping away notifications. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of work around that. But anyway, yeah, I much prefer a hard copy. I, I do too. I actually think there's something about a hard copy because you can highlight, underline, <laughs> write little messages, date yeah. it. And yeah. it's all there easy, much easier to flick through than an app. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wish that people went back to bringing their hard copy Bible to church. Yeah, so I love that the lady I mentioned, she still does. You know, I'll say, turn your Bibles and she'll get them out. And it just also, like, I grew up in a time where you wouldn't put your Bible on the floor, you know, like it was treated with such reverence. And when I preach at church, I make everyone stand up every scripture, like, just to honour it. And if anything, it just wakes you up to the, the fact that we're opening God's word. Like, just That's every time, yeah, every time we turn to it, I'm just like, just honour and respect that this is God speaking. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Because this is why I think we've got a generation that is thinking that they can bring their opinions to the word of God and thinking that they can grab the word of God and deconstruct it and because they, they've not been taught to honour it. Yeah, no, and you can, you can bring your opinions, but you have to come to find, you know, absolutely pull it apart because it'll always lead you to the truth. But you've got to do it um, wanting to learn with humility. And, like, I would never, you know, um, come to an expert in something and give my opinion had I not been educated. Like, I just wouldn't. I'd come to ask questions, and that's where I still feel like I'm in that seat. I don't know enough to, you know, um, have opinions even about, you know, I just feel like I'm still learning. And so when I meet young people that haven't done any time in the book, and then I'm like, but you haven't yet, um, yeah, discovered how to read it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you are a big self-feeder, and so... When we were chatting yesterday, you said to me about church for you is not, yes, it is where you get fed, but that's where you go to serve. And this was the other thing that was really burning on your heart, which I love. Yeah. to me about it yesterday and I was taking notes. <laughs> we're on the phone. Um, talk about that because I know a lot of people come to church and they're like, oh, it's not deep enough and I'm not learning enough. And then they move churches and talk, talk about that. Yeah, well, I guess it's... Um you know, you get to choose what church you go to. And there's no perfect one. Um, I think mine's pretty close, so I just <laughs> love it. Um, but I, you know, it's full of people and I make I make mistakes, so it's full of people that make mistakes. But um, I just adore my church. But, yeah, so we, our church is unashamedly on a Sunday made for new people. And so what that looks like is quite evangelistic and um, very user-friendly. And so you're not going to get like a two-hour exegesis on Corinthians in our sermons. Um, but I just feel with my whole heart. So I, I grew up in a home that served and that made serving 
fun. And so I never saw my parents whinge or complain about serving and they devoted so much time and money and everything in them to building God's kingdom their whole lives. And it was never really a career or anything. It was just a lifestyle of service. And they were always business people and they were always pastors and I just saw it. So, of course, like that's just how I'm living now. And so my experience has been a good one. Whereas I talk to some people whose experience hasn't been and I am, um, but I just think more and more we need to talk about how following Jesus is a life of service. Like I was reading in um, Matthew 20 how it says, for even the son of man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give his life. It's just not comfortable. And it's not preached about often that like you will feel like you are giving your life and that's not comfortable. Like on a Sunday, like it's not a sleeping for us. Our whole family's up and we're at it and we're serving and we serve every Sunday. And what that means is that I have to, yeah, I've called it self-feeding. So during the week, we have rhythms and momentum of feeding ourselves so we are available to feed others. And so that looks like to me studying the word of God myself. I have private worship time and prayer. So on a Sunday, I'm coming to outward look at others. So I'm not really pulling apart the preaching or the this, that, the song choice. I'm actually there just looking at who else is here, who else can I make feel welcome and connect and what can I do to serve. And over the years, that's looked like hilarious. hilarious. I've run like logistics teams. I've run the events teams. I've done hospitality. I did kids church for a season, which I never thought I would do because I'm not really like a kid. Anyway, but yeah, I'll just do whatever because I'm there to serve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I've grown up as well. That's the way I've lived life. So it, it never seems to surprise me. I mean, we had some people last year that left because they didn't like the songs. Some, 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 some of the songs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just never approached church with, um, I'm here to give my opinion on everything that happens in the service. I just don't think that way. And if you are, join the team and make a difference. I just think so many people want to give their opinion from the bench. I'm like, you're not even on the field. Like, if you want to, if you actually want to make a difference and you see an area that's lacking, don't write an email, join the team and make the change yourself. Because, you know, if it's a, and then it's positive, but they never do. And it's like, no, I just want to sit here, give my opinions. And I'm like, I bet you're a really lovely person to be around. <laughs> like, I'm just like, wow, is this what you're like in all areas of your life or just in God's house? Like, where you're meant to bring your best. And I, um, yeah, I just think that probably outside of church, in our culture, um, you know, you've arrived when you have others serving you. So, like, the goal is to have a cleaner and get hello friend, whatever, like, you know, work you up in your career so you're not, you know, you're managing, you're not, you know, operationally involved, all this stuff, yes. But in the house of God, it's completely different. Um, and when you have when you are serving, you have arrived. You've succeeded. You've reached the top. <laughs> like, I read um, even the other day how let Jesus wash the disciples' feet and he ultimately gave his life and that's our example. And so, yeah, it's, it's not um, comfortable. Yeah. yeah. There was a song years ago, I don't know if you remember it, but it was um it was Send Me, Send Me and I'll Go. Um yeah. but there was another song. Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was, but anyway, a thing that we used to always talk about is God use me, use me. Yeah. yeah. Prayer that we'd pray, use me, God. But then we turn around and go, I feel so used. Yeah, I feel so used. I feel so used. But there's something once once again. 
when you come under that humil like with humility, under that like um, submission unto God's word and unto a life of service, there's beauty there. Yeah. You know, I just think I actually wrote down um, that the beauty of being the created is found under the wings of the creator. So like when we're under his wings and we're, we've just given into a life of service and we're, we're being how we're made to be, then it does feel beautiful. And I never walk away from a Sunday not feeling like, I call it a holy hangover because <laughs> it's big. You know, we feel like a bit exhausted after Sundays, but it's a whole, this beautiful feeling of having given your best to God's house and to people. And um, yeah, it's always worth it. I love that, a holy hangover. <laughs> I don't know if I can use that with my teenagers. I'm like, not that there's, you can't have all hangovers, just the whole yeah. thing. It's true though. It's like you've given your all on a Sunday and, you know, and you come home tired, but it's a good time. And mm. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Yes, say that again. I, I don't ever remember not serving since I was very young. Okay, yeah. Um, I remember my first, one of my first things was being like the children's church mascot. It was a big dog. If you go to like Garden City, which is now called on Brisbane, and there was Jet the Wonder Dog, and I was the dog. Oh. <laughs> and I was in this big suit. I, all, I remember, all I remember is if I wanted to cover my mouth, like of the dog, I had to cover my eyes, that's where the mouth was. And I'd be like, oh my goodness. Ah. Like that's all I remember doing. I was like 11. I just think, yeah. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is for all the time I give, like unbelievable, like I probably give days a week to church yeah. and it's volunteer, it's yeah. volunteer. But for all the time I give, I have so much time with my family. I'm not lacking and my work doesn't suffer. Like my business is growing. Even on Thursday afternoon, I was down at, um, uh, we had a youth camp this weekend that I facilitated and I was down at the location just walking, doing walkthroughs because, you know, you imagine events and then, when you add people and then location, I just wanted to make sure it was all okay. And I didn't have a time for it. I was like, I'll go get it done. Went down. And then while I was there, my sister was texting me. She's like, you're not going to believe it. We had a marketing campaign with the beach people, our business, um, go live that afternoon. We had the best success. And, of course, I'm walking on the beach going through youth camp. And so, like, oftentimes when I've been serving God, something quite phenomenal has happened in my business. You know, and then the next day I had the whole morning with my little daughter. We just had baby Chino at the walk along the beach. And so I don't feel like when you put God first that you come second. It kind of, he puts his like supernatural touch on it. And I don't feel like, yeah, anything's lacking because of that. Like my children aren't and my business isn't. My, my relationship with my husband isn't. Yeah. I can't agree, 100%. Yeah. Like I've never been, I've always been voluntary in ministry. I think people have assumed I've always, it's kind of been my job. But um, until I ran the Youth Life Academy, um, I, was I was always a volunteer in everything that we we did. And even now, public church, I'm completely volunteer. Cameron's only just now working two days a week. Um, yeah. But we don't, we don't mind. And like you... And my kids are a bit older. I've got a 20-year-old, 18 and 15. They all love God with all their hearts. They've all got their own personal walk with God. They're all serving God. And I'm like, it's actually not rocket science. You know? And a lot of the time, parents will come to us, oh, please pray for my teenager. Please, oh, you know, they're not going very well. And my first thought is, well, are you making them go to business? Are you getting 
up on a Sunday and coming to church, but they're often the families that they're not. They're, they're FYI, they come one in two. Kid doesn't really come to youth. And I'm like, well, what? I'm sorry, do those things first. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, when you've, when you've had a good experience of it, I had a great experience of it growing up. So, of course, I'm going to carry that on into my kids' lives and, and I've seen it week in, week out work and it's beautiful. Yeah. So, any last last bit of Vic wisdom that you want to leave oh. I just love, um, I was, I've been reading through the life of Paul and he wrote to Timothy this scripture and I'll finish with it. It says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture. Can you, like, <laughs> God's put himself in there. And this is what Paul's writing to Timothy, for it is God breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you'll be God's servant fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. What translation is that? <laughs> That's the message uh, or, or it might be the passion of, of Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> like, God himself breathing on you through his word every morning. Like, why wouldn't you want that? And then you're able to fulfill what, is in, you know, what God has for you, any assignment. You don't want to, I, want, I don't want to do it without him. <laughs> Why would I? You know? Yeah, that's my last little scripture for you. Last little bit of pictorial wisdom. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, Vic, thank you for being on our first and now our 100th episode. Pleasure. Pleasure. Anyone better to come and celebrate the cheering you on too and just cheering you guys on at public and the podcast and with Youth Alive. I've been um, sending an email out today actually to all the parents of my youth um, kids with the dates for next year. So, I didn't Those were the right dates. Did I check yeah. Sorry. So what, that's okay. So what's on the website is correct. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm sending that out today. I've got – I'm working on the – next few months of the Beach People's Marketing Calendar and emailing my youth parents. <laughs> That's what the next hour looks like. And then um, I'm baking a chicken for dinner. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love it because your life is motherhood, business, serving God, all interwoven. And you can do it all. And that's what I say to people. Um, you know, you've just got to be organised and intentional. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Vic, um, and thank you for being part of our first YouTube episode too. Uh, and I hope that see you around. Well, definitely, I will have you back because I, I actually want to hear some of your theology on some of your oh. favourite book or something. You come and talk to us about. Okay. <laughs> Love that. Thanks, Vic. Nice.